We have to go back! Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. Sorry, I misspoke. I meant the Splashback Flicks. Wow. Grayson said it before we started recording and it needed to be said on the record. no time and space before we start recording. We pop into existence during the recording and we phase out. That's right. That's where we go when you stop listening. Question is... How do we hit record again if we don't exist? Mm. (laughs) Uh, But Aquaman's in theaters, so we're reviewing Splash, the 1984 movie starring Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. Yeah, and I bet you can't guess what the tagline was. Was it, it's a splash? No, it was, you'll be hooked. (laughs) You'll be hooked. Oh, like man. Like fish, you know, you got like fish. Yeah. yeah. That's also a good tagline for hook. Yeah. And pretty woman. <sighs> oh, so if your memory of Splash is a little murky, uh, here is a synopsis. So a young boy is saved from drowning by a beautiful mermaid and falls in love with her 20 years later when she returns to seek him out. But before he can choose between life on dry land or a deep sea paradise with his dream woman, the lovers are rudely interrupted by the intervention of a scheming scientist. Mm. Yeah, he was pretty rude. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Now, Splash marked the beginning of Tom Hanks' ascension into movie stardom. He wasn't like a no-name person, but he wasn't as well-known as he is today. Um, and this movie had a lot to do with it. Now, one fateful night in Malibu in 1977, Brian Grazer, uh, then 25 years old, thought about what it would be like to meet a mermaid and fall in love when he was driving by a body of water in Malibu. Been there, yeah. Not Malibu, but, you know, his state of mind. Yeah. And Malibu. (laughs) Uh, And for seven years, he was turned down by most Hollywood studios until he revised his pitch for Splash to be more of a love story um, between a man and a mermaid instead of it being about, you know, what would it be like for to meet a mermaid and just fall in love. Now, at the time, uh, nearly every Hollywood studio rejected him, um, not only because they were like, dude, you got to get better at this part of the job being pitching, um, but there was another film project in the works called Mermaid, uh, which also had the story of a man falling in love with a mermaid. Hmm. Um and originally, that movie was supposed to star Warren Beatty and written by uh, Robert Town, but Splash made their splash first, uh, and Mermaid ultimately just never got made. And I think it largely had to do with Ron Howard. It certainly did. <laughs> Uh, he turned down several projects to be a part of this movie. He said no to directing Mr. Mom and Footloose mm. to stay attached to Splash. Wow. He was not going to be moved by the waves of Hollywood. So Splash was the first movie to be released under Disney's Touchstone uh, division. And you guessed it. It made a huge splash. Uh, It did very well in the box office uh, with an estimated budget of about $8 million. It grossed over $62 million. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah. And so that was like the first big real live action film since 
the love bug back in 1969. Uh, and this really ensured that Touchstone would go forth into the go-to live-action Disney movies, such as, reviewed on this podcast earlier, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, also hmm. under the Touchstone Films banner. Yeah, like you said, Splash was a huge movie for Tom Hanks and was his first leading role in a film, mostly after doing a lot of television. Like, he was on Bosom Buddies for a long time. And uh, and he even claims that he was, like, the 11th choice for this role. They went through a yeah. lot of people to try to get there. Um, but this was big for Daryl Hannah, too. I mean, she had done Blade Runner two years before, um, but this was a big early role for her as well, and especially since it got her the Saturn Award for Best Actress, which is like the action sci-fi award uh, wow. kind of community. Uh, John Candy was probably the most established between all of them. He had done SCTV, and um, he, he had parts in like Blues Brothers and Vacation, but most of his biggest stuff wouldn't come until later. I mean, Eugene Levy, uh, I mean, he, he's in it as well. He's the scientist, the rude scientist that you mentioned, and... His early resume actually looks like line by line, very similar to John Candy's uh, until it fills up with like Christopher Guest and American Pie movies. But uh, this this was huge for these actors. This was a really big thing. And then, of course, Ron Howard's been famous since like the beginning of television. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, oh, another one of these. But <laughs> uh, it, it is like a really great early partnership between uh, Brian Grazer and Ron Howard, who had gone, they would be the founders of Imagine Entertainment, um, as we see a lot of their dynamic in Arrested Development uh, in season four. And, I mean, it also explains that they like to start stories on boats. They certainly do. Now, this movie, uh, in addition to the box office, uh, had a ton of implications in real life. Uh, So there's a scene where they're walking down Madison Avenue, and Tom Hanks is trying to give her a land name, basically. And he says, who's ever heard of Madison? Uh, Flawless Tom Hanks impression. Uh, So... In 1984, Madison was not a popular name. In fact, it was the 216th most popular name for girls until Splash came out. Yeah, it's such a weird line when he says it. He's like, oh, that's not a girl's name. Or like, that's not a name. That's not. He says that's not a name. Not a name. I mean, it's a name. It's on the street sign. (laughs) But yeah, him meaning it's not like a, a girl's name. Yeah, uh, it's very strange to watch that in 2018 and be like, what is he talking about? Yeah, so it jumped to 29th most popular name for girls in 1995 and third by the year 2000. Like, oh. that's that's wild. Like, I, it, the name Madison as a name, because of the movie Splash, made its presence known everywhere. And another thing that has to do with the impact of this movie, now it's really hard to watch Splash and not think of Little Mermaid. Right. Little Mermaid thought that too. Originally, <laughs> Ariel... Uh, was supposed to be blonde originally. Oh, yeah. But she was made redhead to look different from Madison. Because that would come out like five years after Splash, the, the yeah. animated film. Yeah. 1989, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Butch Hartman, uh, who is one of the uh, creators of Fairly Odd Parents, uh, he actually credits Eugene Levy's character as the inspiration for his character Denzel Crocker from the Fairly Odd Parents, who are always trying to get the fairies. This was a job of very good things. And I thought that was very interesting and that worth is. noting. That is interesting. And my last fun fact, Grayson, mm-hmm. I just had to say. Yeah. For Freddie Bauer, Alan's older brother, uh, two people were considered for the role. Michael Keaton, who is too busy working on Mr. Mom. Sure. Um, and Tim Allen. 
Oh, that would have been interesting. I wonder if that would have tripped up the Toy Story cast. Like if we would have gotten somebody else because of it. Man. Oh. I, I, I would have really loved to see just even just a screen test yeah. for the two of them together. It would have been great. Hmm. That'd be really good. I love that John Candy is in this, though. And we, we've said this about other actors that have passed away and then we watch their films. Like, he really does just embody the character. And whenever we watch these movies, it's like it's like a little bit of them is coming back to life. Like, it's really great to watch. So I'm glad it's John Candy because... Yeah. The more John Candy movies out there, the better. Yes. Yeah. Now, one thing that probably caught your eye was the tail prosthetic whenever she's in mermaid form. That's a prosthetic? Yeah. <laughs> she's not a mermaid? Oh, I see. No. she's And she's not even Andy Serkis. She's somewhere in the middle. Somewhere between <laughs> mermaid and Andy Serkis. She's like a mer-circus. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, she right up. fit into that that prosthetic. Um, now that prosthetic's behind the bar at the Planet Hollywood in downtown Disney Orlando. But when they Where were it filming, it weighed 35 pounds. And, but even still, Daryl Hannah, they said, could like outpace the safety team when she was wearing it and swimming with it. Uh, partly because when she was a kid, she used to swim like that. She would like bind her feet together and, and use use them like flippers because she wow. loved the little mermaid story the original one like from hans christian anderson oh good. and so she would like try to swim like a mermaid and it paid off um literally yeah really it was like oh what a good choice as a child to do that little weird when you're a kid but that really worked out for you and a lot of this was filmed uh on location in la and new york but the underwater scenes they did in nassau in the bahamas uh in nasa in nasa that's in space and that's when tom hanks and ron howard were like you know what we should do some more stuff in space yes uh, but yeah, they, they filmed that in on location in Nassau because the water is so clear. Uh, and because uh, you're not going to get that kind of clear water in L.A. or New York. Forget about yeah. it. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Or Galveston. Or Galveston. That's a good point. <laughs> or Galveston. But there was a lot of interesting stuff with Daryl Hannah in this, too. Like that lobster eating scene. I love oh, that yeah. scene. She just like rips into the lobster. Well, she was a vegetarian. And so they would reconstruct it with this tofu thing and, like, and then put it in the shells. And even still, like the, there are reports that she would like cry over these lobsters. Yeah. Uh, but it's a really funny scene. It so. really is. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Had you seen this movie before we started reviewing it? Yeah, man. I really? Did. Yeah. Okay. Because this is my first time watching Splash. Oh, really? I've only ever heard of it. And for some reason, I thought it was like not a good movie. Oh, no. Uh, it, I, oh, it is. I mean, it was an Oscar nominee for Best Original Screenplay, except I mean, back then they called it like Best Writing, comma, Screenplay written directly for the screen until somebody like rewrote the name of that category. We got to uh, clean this up. We gotta it's like, come on, guys. We're writers. What are we doing? Listen, by the time so. we're done announcing the category, they're going to play the orchestra music <laughs> and we have to get off. Stay. You got three seconds for a speech. And it was also a Golden Globe nominee for Best Motion Picture in a Comedy or Musical. Uh, wow. It went up against Ghostbusters, uh, Mickey and Maude, Beverly Hills Cop, 
and then ultimately lost out to Romancing the Stone. But like, what a crazy category. But no, it's like, it's a respected movie. Like it did wow. really well and launched a lot of these careers. I mean, I was very impressed watching it for the first time. Like it ages very well. Yeah. And it's, man, I was just so impressed with the story that they told. Like I, I was so I was laughing so hard. Like it's such a quotable movie. I, I was trying to write down some quotes. I'm just like I'm just gonna end up like transcribing this entire movie. It yeah. was just so good. So I and also I didn't know that Eugene Levy existed this age. When oh, I saw yeah. him, I was like, oh, that guy kind of looks like Eugene. Le- That's Eugene Levy. He got recommended by John Candy because they they had done SCTV together. Uh, oh yeah, a bunch of stuff. So yeah, and, and also, didn't John Candy want his role? Oh yeah, yeah. John Candy wanted wanted the uh, the scientist role, and Ron Howard was like, "I really think you're more of a Freddy." And then he's like, "Okay, fine. Let's get my friend Eugene in here." Yes, um, and it all worked out. I think huh. I think that's for the best. Oh yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, th- this movie. Like, like you said, did really well. It was like was nominated for these prestigious awards and everything. Uh, what you might be thinking of is the made-for-TV sequel called Splash 2. That's T-O-O. And it was in 1988, so like four years later. Oh. And it starred nobody from the first one. Um, still follows Alan and Madison, but they come back to like save his fruit business and rescue a dolphin. That, but, that's like, oh, uh, yeah. And did, yeah. didn't she say they could never come back? That was, like, yeah. really clearly stated, right? Like, that was so, important. So they're using Home Alone 3 logic? Uh, okay, yeah. No, I, uh, I skipped that part in my notes. I did not. I only found it because of a mistype and IMDb. Now, so when was the first time that you actually watched it then? Yeah, so I was going to bring that up. It was, like, when I was five. Really? Um, I feel like I was too young to watch this. Now, I remember... I, I've been watching. I've watched this movie for uh, like uh, several times since then. But I think I first watched it when I was like five. My parents had recorded it onto a VHS tape from TV, so I think that was like part of it. I think they cut out a few things, but I remembered most of this. Um, I I think they kept a lot of it in there. Yeah. Uh, and to to this day, like I liked it then, and I like it now. It, it's like my second favorite movie where Tom Hanks wakes up on a beach. It goes like Castaway, Splash, Joe versus the Volcano. That's yep. kind of like the yep. Hanks beach canon for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that, I think my ranking would go almost exactly the same. Yeah. Um, well, you know, that, that's why this works. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of very vivid memories from watching this as a kid. Like I always associate the song Wooly Bully with this movie. Um, because of the open. Yeah. Um, whenever I hear Cape Cod, I think of this movie, because I remember as a kid thinking, what a weird name for a place. <laughs> um, but the the most vivid memory I have of this, like if there are two words that summarize this movie for me and kind of where it lives in my head, it's bocce balls. That phrase when he yells bocce balls at the Statue of Liberty, uh, that is like the most vivid thing to me. Yeah. Bocce balls. Like I feel like my dad used to imitate that scene. It's probably what it is. Every time I walk through the aisles at target and like see bocce balls, I think of this movie. Wow. Uh, I have all, I had so many random associations that I knew went back to this movie and they just all got triggered again 
when I rewatched it. Yeah, no, I it's it's so interesting. It we we've heard the term fish out of water story. <laughs> um and it it took some some great convincing for me to know that it didn't come from this movie. Uh, I mean, if the name Madison came from this movie, why not? Right? I was yeah. so impressed with how they told a literal fish out of the water story, but still made it very interesting. Yeah, without jumping the shark. It's hard to tell a fish out of water without jumping the shark. It really you know? is. Especially with Ron Howard. With Ron Howard, of all people. <laughs> But I, I was really impressed because I was really like enthralled by like how they were going to world build and they especially in the post Little Mermaid world that we all live in. Yeah, no, we're part of her world. Yeah, we really are, uh, and we see <laughs> just uh, that. That's always been my frame of reference for mermaids, and to see a different take on mermaids like that was really cool because yeah. I feel like the thing that has been done more within our generation is like vampires werewolves that kind of like supernatural otherworldly kind of creature mm-hmm. uh but mermaids don't get a ton of love like mermaids get thrown in into your pirates of the caribbean like you know every once in a while sure. um or you know your peter pans or whatever but never Zoolander. Like, yeah the, never the focal point and i thought that was really impressive i'm like hey i guess that there's more to be told about mermaids because this is very interesting. Yeah. It also reminded me a lot of like if the pitch, if you were to tell me that the pitch for this movie was like, all right, so you remember E.T., right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, hear me out. That kid grows up and falls in love with a mermaid. Man, what is this kid's deal? <laughs> I don't know, but um, it's happening. And uh, instead of Elliot, it's Alan and uh, it's Tom Hanks. Okay. Okay. Roll okay. picture. Got it, yeah. Printing I, money. Yeah. I saw a lot of same of the similar beats. Like, hey, we finally found this otherworldly creature. Let's science it to death. Yeah, and, uh, no, that's and then true. Ultimately, getting the creature home, and then the person becoming better by knowing the other person. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Hmm. That's a really good point, Grayson. Yeah. I don't mean to um, rock the boat. Oh no, man! You this is unbelievable. Did you like make a <laughs> list? <laughs> Most of my notes is just a bunch of puns. <laughs> Make a splash, uh, waves, rock the boat. Oh, no, no. Yeah, no, no, proceed. Uh, yeah. But uh, I got to hop out and swim to land so I can go grab my head cannon. Head cannon. Head cannon is a part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. So we mentioned Little Mermaid, right? Yeah, we did. Now, um, Grayson, my head mm-hmm. cannon from the start just to let you know where I'm leading to, mm-hmm. is that Splash takes place in the world of A Little Mermaid. Oh, interesting. I like that. Yeah. Now, everyone knows that Ariel has six sisters. <laughs> That's common knowledge. Common knowledge. Now, it's Aquata, Andrina, Arista, Atina, Adela, and Alana. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> Uh, in the opening of Little Mermaid, they're all singing like the Daughters of Triton, uh, and this is the order that they go in. Now, it is said amongst Disney fans that this is their birth order. Aqu- mm. Aquata is the oldest. Ariel is the youngest. Oh, which is why she doesn't get the memo that you have to match 
your top to your tail. Okay, yes. got it. Well, also hand me downs because someone oh. else pointed that out. Because <laughs> she's the youngest sister. Hand me downs. That's the best justification. Okay, yeah. Right. Okay, so Arista, the uh, third daughter, mm-hmm. she has a red tail and a matching seashell bra. She also has ice blue eyes and wears her pale blonde hair and a ponytail. Oh. Now, that's enough information that I needed to concoct my headcanon and connect those dots. Because here's the thing. So we are to understand that basically from the information we're given, mermaids have like – some version of Rumspringa where they can go on land <laughs> and yeah. be human for six days yeah. before they can never return. Right. To see uh, if they want to be human or exactly. want to be a mermaid. Yeah, got it. Exactly. And <laughs> okay. so I after this event happened and you know Tom Hanks comes back to the land, they're like, listen, you almost got you almost died. King Triton's like, you almost died? Listen. I'm going to, like, he's going to make a deal to, like, cast a spell so that the rest of the mermaids, like, they basically ban that tradition. Like, uh, Arista is the reason why there's no more mermaid Rumspringa. And Ariel doesn't know that she can just go on land, and once she's completely dry, she would have legs herself, and she doesn't need to make a deal with Ursula. And that's the whole thing. And so that's why Ursula is making it. It's like, Ursula's like, oh, this poor, unfortunate soul doesn't know that she could just walk on land. What a dummy. Like, you still won't talk for a while, but not because I have your voice. It's because you don't know English yet. Yes, exactly. Like, she would have gotten to all the things. Like, everything would have happened, but basically, (laughs) Ursula was, you know, old enough also to know that, like, oh, poor girl doesn't know this. I'm going to win something out of this. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That really... So, what a wasted opportunity, then. If that's true, the sequel shouldn't have been Splash 2. It should have been called Meet the Tridents. And it's it's Tom Hanks trying to fit in in Atlantis. Oh, yes. The whole movie's just underwater. (laughs) But anyway, that is my headcanon. So, Ricky, I I have a feature-length headcanon here. So, I'm just... So just buckle up. Yeah. Uh, enjoy the ride. Popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have any uh, ocean puns. I didn't make a list. I should have made a list like you. Um, I, I Choppy waters? No, I got nothing. <laughs> um, but I entitled this headcanon, Life is Like a Box of Cherries. Oh, no. Whoa. Uh, so the premise is that Splash is Forrest Gump's afterlife. Because uh, in Splash, John Candy tells a client that Alan was injured in Vietnam when a grenade went off in his helmet. And that ever since then, he just runs. Um, he even outruns a taxi on his way to Bloomingdale's. He's very fast. Uh, oh. But if that was true, and that's how Forrest Gump died in the Vietnam War then we are sent to this season six of Lost-like Flash Sideways Afterlife where he's an intelligent businessman, he has a loving family, and falls in love with someone who looks like and has the same strategically placed hair as Jenny. Um, And not only that, in this relationship, he's the smart one. And he gets to explain the world to her, a reversal from their dynamic when they were alive. 
um, like when he's suggesting names, like we talked about the Madison event, his first suggestion is real quick. His first suggestion for her name is Jennifer or Jenny. Uh, so I think subconsciously he knew who she was. Um, it also makes sense that he would be drawn to the water in the afterlife, yet never learned to swim, kind of has almost a fear of it, uh, mm. since most of Forrest's future plans at the time of his death revolved around water, uh, namely like starting a shrimping business with Bubba, um, but yeah. they never made it that far. So uh, it's interesting how some of the language is also paralleled between the two realities. Like Bubba asked Forrest if he's ever been on a real shrimping boat, and Forrest says no, but I've been on a real big boat. And then in Splash, Fat Jack swims away saying he'll be back with a little boat, which means Alan is already on the big boat. There's like little parallels like that that kind of echo side by side. Uh, so if everything we see after the war in Forrest Gump is what Forrest would have done if he had survived, then Splash really parallels like the would-be life after he reconnects with Ginny or, or Madison. So like instead of learning to play ping pong, he plays racquetball. Instead of meeting the president to get the Purple Heart, he's a guest at the president's party. Uh, and instead of living on the water... Uh, when he's in the shrimping business, he spends the rest of his life in the water. Um, even his proposal gets rejected in the afterlife. Uh, and so all of this is kind of like these echoes of what would have been. But it also begs the question then, if this is the afterlife or some kind of like limbo state, then who's real and who's just part of Forrest's subconscious? Because uh, I like to believe that John Candy or, or Freddy in Splash is actually more of a guardian angel because uh, he consistently encourages Alan's relationship with Madison, even when he finds out that she's a mermaid. Like, he is the biggest advocate for it. Uh, while Eugene Levy or Dr. Kornbluth uh, is the embodiment of a demon sent to separate him from Jenny because he wants Jenny to be separate from Alan so that she can't lead him to the heavenly afterlife. I think everyone else is probably a manifestation of Forrest's subconscious designed to keep him contained in the limbo state. Um, like everything from the false sepia memories uh, to the soldiers that kind of echo his final moments when he was on earth in the Vietnam war. So that means the only other real human in the story is Jenny and when she was alive, she prayed that God would make her a bird so she could fly far, far away. But God didn't make her a bird uh, so she could fly up to heaven. He made her a fish because in this world, heaven is in the deepest parts of the ocean. Um, so that's the real Jenny, uh, just without all of her painful memories from when she was on Earth. All that really bleeds through is in their false memory, in that sepia memory, uh, when they knew each other as children. They know that they knew each other before. Wow. Um, and all that is why Ginny can't stay forever and Forrest can never come back uh, because they both have to move on into the heavenly afterlife. That's also why little Forrest can see big Forrest at the end of Forrest Gump because Haley Joel Osment sees dead people. Oh! Headcanon. Oh my gosh! Oh, I gotta sit down, Grayson. Oh my goodness, that I think that's the most convincing headcanon. Like, I mean, because the threads are there. Like, you can do a recut and yeah. just make it true. 
You can like wake up on the beach uh, after an explosion in Vietnam. Yeah, you could cut it together. Um, it almost has like a cloud atlas feel too, but it's yeah. like this. Yeah. This wow. before and after, which totally changed my viewing of the movie. Wow. That's really, really good. And it gives a much happier ending to Forrest Gump. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, depending on your perspective, but yeah. That headcanon runs so deep. I can see a little, a little anglerfish. Just... They're the one with the light bulb on their yeah. forehead? All right. Now we're going to go to the part of the show where we talk about recast and remakes. Recast. Remakes. If this movie were to be made today, nay, current. <laughs> that is unbelievable. <laughs> I barely said the word choppy, and you have all of this. Oh, man. I guess uh, I'm out of my league. Ah, very nice. Measurement. <laughs> Oceans. Uh, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? And, Grayson, yeah. fortunately for us, real life has made this job for us a lot easier. Mm. They are in the works to make a Splash remake. Oh, real Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian situation, huh? They're finally making it. <laughs> so they're going to do a, a gender reversal with oh. Channing Tatum being the merman. Oh, man, I can hear the tickets being bought already. Oh, yeah. And Jillian Bell. Uh, she was also in uh, She was in 22 Jump Street. Oh, uh, okay. But she will be the protagonist. So she'll be taking on like Tom Hanks' role in discovering oh. the merman thing because i i wrote down in my recast remake i'm like you know what? it'd be really great if they did a gender flip i was like yeah oh, yeah i was like yeah this would be great that, they're doing that's it. good okay. casting for it too because then you can call it 22 jump the shark street oh they man they they're gonna sell so many tickets crazy <laughs> so i i came up with some casting for both versions, basically. Oh, okay. Um, so if they were to remake this version of Splash, um, where the um, mermaid is female and the love interest is uh, male, um, to play Alan, I would cast John Mulaney. That's crazy. I had John Mulaney for Eugene Levy's character. Not, oh, yeah. He'd be great there, too. I was just like, you know, I heard him as Spider-Pig, and now I want to see him in everything. So yes. Why I not? had that exact yeah. same reaction, too. Um, so for uh, Eugene Levy's character, uh, Cornbluth, I had Jeff Goldblum. Oh, that's good. I, I, just, want, I just want to see him rant crazily. Yeah. And they, if it were to be uh, gender-flipped, um, I would cast Zendaya. Um, she mm. played MJ in uh, Homecoming, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Right. Um, she is a little young, um, but she's the first person who came to mind. Anyway, Jason Momoa. He's uh he's a mermaid. This is years after the Aquaman franchise, and uh, it would be Jason Momoa and Zendaya. I dig it. Yeah. Or actually, the other person who I had, uh, who I thought would be really great. Um, only because she definitely has a tight Kristen Stewart. Just fall in love with a human, please. That's not how to do it. She can't do it. I don't want to sound close-minded, but just fall in love with a human already. <laughs> yeah, I would, for my, my recasting, I kind of had two separate ones going concurrently. I'd like to get the due date cast back together and have Robert Downey Jr. 
and Zach Galifianakis play yes. Tom Hanks and John Candy, respectively. Yeah. Um, I also thought it would be great to see Keegan-Michael Key as Tom Hanks and Keenan Thompson as John Candy. Yes. I, just, I think that would play really well. Oh, that'd be so great. Uh, and then for Daryl Hannah's character, for Madison... Um, I'd cast Rachel Brosnahan from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, nice. Um, I think she'd be really, really solid. Or uh, Sarah Paxton, since she knows how to play a mermaid from her role in Aquamarine with Emma Roberts back in 2006. Yes. Um, Or maybe just Kesha, you know? Because I think Kesha kind of looks like Daryl Hannah. And I do think this would be a really good role for a singer trying to get more into acting. Um, kind of like a half singer, half actor, like a mer actor, you know, like like Justin Timberlake in The Social Network. You know, just a really solid mer actor. Very nice. Yeah. So uh, that. Oh, and then um, I would have Kyle Mooney play the Bocce Balls tour guide. Yes. Yeah. So for the remake, I would love for them to do. Either with, you know, with underwater level technology that we have now to do Aquaman. Uh, Originally in 84, they couldn't do as much underwater, even though I was super impressed with how much they did underwater. Like her whole scene of like finding him um, on the map. I was like, they're underwater for like a long time. And she's handling this thing like a champ. Um, I would love to see more of that world. Uh, I would what love to see that world. that's all I want. I want a reverse part of your world. I want to be where the lobsters are. I want to see, want to see them doing what lobsters do. Um, what a I, terrible rhyme. <laughs> so I, I would love to see more underwater scenes. Um, but I would also love for it to like, like what you said, like your pitch for the remake. I would love to just see, uh, it's about a human coming into the underwater. Like, basically, uh, do a uh, guess who's coming to dinner. Oh, meet the Tritons? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. meet the Tritons, basically. Yeah. Uh, so Meet the Tridents to sound like parents. However you want to brand it. You know, that's up to, that's up to the other team, you know? You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like that's the natural next step is, okay, it's like a, I guess it's not a fish into water. It's a real human into water story. Yep. Human yeah. underwater story? Human underwater. Yeah. Human, a real human underwater story. Yep. Hashtag yeah. human underwater story. <laughs> New genre. We just created a genre. That's right. We created a sequel genre. Ooh. Whenever the fish out of water story is your first in the series, your sequel has to be a human, human underwater. underwater story. Yeah. I like it. They're going to teach this in schools hundreds of years <laughs> from now. Uh, for actually, for a remake, I'd really like to see this whole thing as a Pixar short with no words, because uh, I think they'd be able to do this like and beautifully tell a similar story in just a few minutes, kind of like the beginning of Up. Yeah, yeah. I'm not crying, am I? I usually cry when I talk about the beginning <laughs> of Up. You are. Oh, I felt like it. It felt mm-hmm. wet. But I would, I would call that Pixar short "Sleeping with the Fishes." <laughs> And it would be the raunchiest title Pixar's ever had. I do think it'd be a good short, though. Yeah, be a, like a Finding Nemo crossover. Yes, Marlin's gonna freak when he sees a human down there. Get away from my son! <laughs> All right, now we're going to go into our final segment of the show, where we give you our reasons to recommend. Now, Grayson, mm-hmm. why should people dip a toe into the waters of the movie? 
that is Splash? I would say that it's like the Little Mermaid from a human perspective. Like we mentioned Little Mermaid a lot. Um, or it, more recently, it's a reverse shape of water. So I'm mm-hmm. interested how that <laughs> remake's going to work. Because uh, Guillermo del Toro is going to be like, <clears throat> a pardon me, uh, didn't I make this movie? Mm-hmm. So if you like those, then yeah, check out Splash for some mermaid stuff. Uh, the cast is amazing, and I I love it when we get to watch movies that are really early in their in the career and they become superstars. Um, it's just a different feel to it. It's like a different hunger, and um, to go from kind of this like they none of them are really starving artists, but to go to like unknown to stardom and just see how the tides have turned. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> pretty fun yeah (laughs) i recommend splash it's a splash nice oh man yeah i i would recommend splash because my experience of this movie was just pure delight um tom hanks as we all know uh especially through our megathon um yeah is that he's a very delightful um leading like hopeless romantic uh Hmm. and it was so cool to see him commit to loving this mermaid like i i there are several times where i audibly just awed like oh like and i got emotional over this you know very silly uh premise uh about you know this guy falling in love with a mermaid who you wouldn't think could be taken seriously but it it's very lighthearted it's very sweet um and I, i think the moment where like it broke my heart the most was when she said your voice sounds funny. He's like, yeah, it's sarcasm. Now I have that where you come from. I'm like, oh, Tom Hanks, you jerk. And then when he, when she was about to uproot her whole life, and then he's like, he's like, no, you, you, you can never come back. He's like, oh, well, you know, I, I can't do that. I'm like, Tom Hanks, you selfish, inconsiderate, selfish, Grayson, you did it. You've oh. come full circle. Oh man, you can connect that to the blackish and grownish universe, <laughs> the selfish universe. Yeah, there you go. That's what the spinoff. That's what the TV spinoff is called, or the finoff. Oh no, uh, it's too much. I'm gonna stop. It's too much. Grace, are you growing a fin? Oh, I think a so. A dorsal fin. We'll save it for the end of this. El fin. Don't right. think I won't. Just wait. <laughs> Uh, but overall, I, I definitely recommend this movie because it's a very sweet story. And especially if Aquaman's going to leave you high and dry. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> you can dive right into this movie and it will make waves in your heart. I know you have a list. I do. Grayson, it's a, yeah. it's a whole spreadsheet. The, this mm. is the first spreadsheet I've made in 2018 and it will be the last of 2018. <laughs> Speaking of, that is our review of Splash. Let us know what you remember about Splash on Twitter or Facebook. In both places, we are at Flashback Flicks. Uh, and it would mean a lot to us if you could give us a rating and review uh, on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Uh, if you happen to be on iTunes, it means a lot there. If you give a rating and review, so on a scale of one to seven Cs, or maybe on a scale of one to five Gales, how would you rate this review? And leave us a comment. Um, 
telling us what's a good mermaid name. Maybe yeah. May, maybe Madison um, uh-huh. may, might not be on the top of your list, but I think uh-huh. a really good mermaid name um, would probably be like Clyde. Yeah, that's gonna be like the number one girl's name twenty years from now. Yeah, Clyde. Clyde. Yeah, but but either way, what are you waiting for? Or did you do you spell waiting like waiting in the water? No, Grace. Nice. Spe- oh, yes. Water. Oh, you, water. You, you waiting, waiting for? I think yeah, combined you, we broke this podcast. Also, leave like an ocean mermaid pun. We'd appreciate that mm-hmm. too. Just you know the ones we missed. Yeah. We <laughs> sure would appreciate it. You beat you up. We got to get out of this episode. And be sure to tune in next year. Oh. On the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Thank you for making 2018 very awesome. And we will see you in 2019. So until next time, be kind and rewind. El Fiend. Next year on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. We kick off 2019 in complete anticipation of glass with a three-week Shyamalanathon. We're talking signs. We're talking the village. And you know we're talking about Unbreakable. Ooh, that's right. So walk with your shoes on because there's going to be glass everywhere. Hashtag Shyamalanathon. Hashtag Shyamalanathon.